Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However... The way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. It's your favorite uncle, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where newsflash, quarantine, quarantine still ain't cute. Y'all, I got to tell you, my heart is heavy, but my hopes are still high. And I don't know how that happens. People have told me for years, as far back as I can remember, that somehow I always have hope. I'm always a positive person. And it would be dismissive for me to just, you know, put on some rose-colored glasses and let this be a podcast full of happy, happy, joy, joy. And I won't. I won't be that arrogant. I won't be that self-righteous to not take into consideration all the hearts that are heavy right now. But before we get into um, talking about the issues at hand that that I believe we need to be talking about, I first want to share a celebration with you, an acknowledgement, if you will. I have been in my own apartment for seven months. And y'all, this is a record. And not only 
have I been in my own apartment for seven whole months. But y'all, I got furniture. And not only do I have furniture, but y'all, I got furniture that I like. Not just like some, I found it on the corner and dragged it in my house. I mean, I bought brand new bookshelves in the last seven months. I have rebuilt my book collection that my ex-wife so lovingly burnt to the ground. She did everything but send me the ashes. You hear me? That woman was angry. And that's okay. That's okay. We grieve our own way. But I rebuilt the book collection and it's better than the one I had. I am just looking around my house, y'all, and there is artwork from various artists. And I look over my shoulder on my right and I could see my undergrad degree that I got from Virginia Commonwealth University. I made it. Shout out BCU Rams. Go Rams. And I'm clean. I'm clean 16 months. Y'all, I'm clean 76 weeks. Don't ask me the days. I can't do that much math. I'm a poet after all. But I'm clean one year and four months. Half of that time I have spent in my own apartment. Where the rent is almost all the way paid up. <laughs> I ain't going to front y'all. Yo, your favorite uncle is still still ghetto. Still trying to catch up on this rent. I mean, you know, but I'm doing it. You know, it ain't perfect, but it's getting done. And that's what's important. It's getting done. I have a little cove in my living room where I'm painting. And... You know, I look over in this other direction and I have this other little nook with a giant beanbag where I sit and do my reading and listen to jazz music. And then over here by my desk, I got my ring light where I do my TikTok videos and I go live and I see books by writers I've always admired and I finally have the books. And you know what's occurred to me is that when you have your own place, Everything you spend money on is for you. You know, I've, I've been in my feels, you know, I've been feeling lonely about being single and not having someone to, to love bomb because that's, that's what I essentially do. I love bomb. I'm, I'm trying to unlearn that. Um, but that's been, that's been my shtick for years. I've been a serial monogamist who love bombs the hell out of whoever I'm with. And um, lately I've had, you know, many an opportunity to, to dote on myself, you know, to smother myself in my love. And it's been fucking hard. Like, it has been difficult to do. It's taken a lot of self-forgiveness and it's taken a lot of acknowledgement of my character assets and it's taken a lot of receiving compliments from other people, you know, from 
close friends to perfect strangers who just needed to point out to me something wonderful that I've either done or some way in which I've enriched their lives. And y'all, that's a lot to take in. It's overwhelming. I'm free from a cage that I built around myself. Let me say that one more time. I am, for the first time in my life, free from a cage that I have spent 50 years building around myself. And I feel like I'm not necessarily completely out of the cage, but I definitely have been sitting, like the cage door is open and I'm definitely sitting on the ledge, you know, with my feet dangling outside the cage, um, taking in the sights of what the world looks like without the bars I've imposed on myself, you know? And it's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world with Oh, all the problems that a world will have. But you know what's most important right now? I went, yo, here's the thing. I went to, uh, I went to Walmart today. I went out and braved the wild. And I, for me personally, I can't stand going to Walmart because I know Walmart treats their employees like shit. But, you know, your sibling here ain't got the money to be shopping at Target every damn time I need something. I just don't have the money yet. So... I go to Walmart, and when I'm at the register, I look at everything that is in my shopping cart, and I see the change. So, like, I bought a caulking gun and some caulk, right? I came home and fixed my sink with it. Like, I went to a store to buy something to make a repair in my apartment. Basically, because, I'm number one, I'm tired of waiting for my landlord to fix it. And two, you know, I'm behind in rent, so I ain't going to ask him to fix nothing right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, shit, I better handle that because the less he comes over here right now, the better. Let's, let's be real. Um, but, you know, I fixed my sink tonight. And um, I bought hooks to hang my jackets around the house where, you know, in the past, I'd just put a screw in the wall. But, like, I, I bought the actual hooks to make it look nice, you know? And I bought flowers from my home again. I'm buying flowers for myself every week. And I bought plant food for my plants. That's a first. I was like, wait, they don't just live on water and sunlight? Like, I gotta feed these things? Oh, shit. So, I'm feeding plants. And I dust my bookshelves. And I bought fruit and yo your boy is eating granola with almond milk i am no longer indulging in the secretions of cows almond milk like i'm eating spinach salads daily you know and just to take a step back here um river oaks uh recovery and rehabilitation center out in riverview florida shout out um they saved my life man I had an anxiety attack in rehab at the thought of living alone. And there was a counselor there named Kristen who sat me down and 
we did uh, two sessions. The first session, we just talked about it. And then the second session, we practiced EMDR. And y'all, if you have come to discover that you have trauma, that you suffered some sort of emotional trauma, if you are living with scars that cause emotional triggers and cause you to do things to hurt yourself or others around you, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, and someone says EMDR, do it. Fucking do it. One session, y'all. And I can tell you, I moved into this apartment and the anxiety was non-existent. And when I tell you I moved in here, what I mean to say is I had a key to the front door and I had an air mattress and I had um, a couple of pans and a pot. Um, I think I had clothes. I didn't have hangers. I had some hangers, but not enough hangers. And I had like a rinky-dink bookshelf that looks like, you know, it, it just, that poor thing. That bookshelf was just holding on for dear life, you know. Um, but y'all, I got furniture in my house that like I actually bought. I got, uh, you know, a matching little set from my kitchen. I bought dishes. I got, you know... I have a coffee grinder. Y'all, I bought a coffee grinder. And not one of those little handheld jobs. I mean, I bought a coffee grinder that it just sits on the counter and you pour the coffee in the top of it, the beans. And then whenever you need a certain amount, you press a little button, it grinds out that amount into the filter. Ciao. I'm living. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm living. I'm living. Like, I'm not surviving. Y'all, I fixed my kitchen sink. Child, there was a time in my life where the only time I went up to the kitchen sink was to put water in a teaspoon. Yo. I'm trying to tell you, your sibling, your sibling, 17 months ago, was putting needles in his arms, okay? I can't believe... How far I've come, you know, and I was looking in that shopping cart at Walmart and I was like, fruit, vegetables, tea. Y'all, I'm drinking tea. I bought myself a couple of thermos cups. You hear me? Um, I'm drinking some of this good tea now. I got this vanilla chai tea. I put honey in it. I cut down on the sugar. Mm. I did get a little sweet cream, though. I cheated. But I'm okay with that. Like, if that's the worst I'm doing right now is that I cheated by putting a little sweet cream in my tea, I don't think a lot of people understand the miracle that that is. So, like, two weeks ago, all right, I paid my landlord $800 because 75 of it was a late fee. And I still got some catching up to do. But I want to tell you that my landlord couldn't show up for, like, five days. His car was broken down. And he wasn't able to get here to pick up the rent. And I was like, no problem. It'll be here when when it gets here. And I almost missed the miracle that was that statement. Let me say that one more time. 17 months ago, I was shooting heroin, smoking crack, drinking tequila, shooting meth. 
And I told my landlord, hey, look, there's $800 cash sitting here waiting for you. Whenever you come get it, it'll be here. But make sure you get here before 3 o'clock because I got to go to work. I had $800 sitting here and went to work. Like had money and went to work. I'm doing this. This is the most responsible I've ever been. And I'm not perfect. I mean, I still have my impulsive buys. You know, I still will splurge on things I probably shouldn't splurge on. I'll buy a book when I should be holding on to that money for the electric bill. Um, but I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not desperately chasing down a lover and going out of my way to buy a lover gifts because, you know, I have a habit of love bombing that I'm trying to work through. So I'm decisively single, no Tinder, no Bumble, you know, not messing around online with nobody, you know, some flirtatious remarks here and there, but, you know, I haven't dated, um, I've been staying out of trouble and I thought that this was going to be boring. I thought that the monotony of living life without using or drinking was going to be overwhelmingly monotonous and lonely and that it would only be a matter of a week or two before I started using again, especially living by myself and having nobody to be account accountable to. Forget about it. But y'all, I built, uh, you know, my therapist, one of my therapists at rehab told me, you know, make the home you've always wanted to live in. And that's what I've done. You know, I, I think back to being a kid and I remember admiring uh, in the Batman show when I was a kid, I remember admiring Bruce Wayne's library. And I remember I looked up to Mike Brady during the Brady Bunch because he had a fucking library and a desk. He was always at his, when he came home from work, he went straight to his desk. And y'all, like, I can't tell you how empowering it is to walk in my house and sit at my desk. You know, to look around the room at my books. You know, to get into an argument with somebody online and be like, hold up, bitch, I got receipts. And get up and just peruse my book collection to find the evidence, said receipt, and slam it on them on a TikTok response. Don't want me to stitch your shit, homie. Um, and, you know, I bought uh, some organizers for my makeup and for my desk for pencils and office supplies and things like that. And, like, I'm just looking forward to taking care of myself. And shout out to all the people that supported me to do this. People that were like, you know, when I was like, I don't know, man, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just don't know. And they were like, John, you got this. You can do this. And it's been a whole 16 months of people going, yes, you can. When there were moments I was like, I don't know, homie. I don't know. And they were like, nah, you got this. And I tell you, I, I didn't think it would feel as good as it felt to give my landlord rent money. 
it felt it felt good that I'm not exploiting a lover to have them pay my bills. It felt good that I'm not manipulating someone close to me to to uh you know to wring some money out of them. I'm not borrowing money I can't afford to pay back. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm proud of me. Oh, I really danced around that statement, didn't I? <laughs> but I'm proud of me. I'm so proud of me. I will be 51 this month. April 29th. Shout out to the Torians in the building. I will be 51 years old. And for the first time in my life, I am taking care of me. Got myself some new eyeglasses. I can see clearly now. But, you know, I have to think about how I got here, right? And, you know, we could talk about the addiction and we could talk about the childhood trauma, but I want to talk about the people, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? Oh, they asked me, who are the most inspiring people in my life? And there is, uh, there's about three or four people that, that come to mind right off the top of my head. One is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., hands down, absolutely brilliant. And finding myself turning 51 this month, I have to say, just knowing that Dr. King died at 40 years old, which tells me how brilliant he was in his 30s. Like, brilliant. There's this tome I have, A Testament of Hope, of all his writings and essays and speeches. and Man, like, I will read just a paragraph and it will take me away, man. It, it's like... I, I I find myself in this intellectual paradise just consuming his words and ideas, you know? It wasn't just a line of bullshit for him. Like, he really believed that love is the only thing that will save us. The next person that comes to mind is James Baldwin. And again... The one phrase that James Baldwin said over and over in my head, he, I heard him say it in an interview with, uh, I think it was Dick Cavett. And the line is like a skipping record in my head when I feel miserable. James Baldwin said, well, I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. Fuck. And you know... That statement I have held closer to my heart than anything else over the last couple of months, since the summer, you know, since the murder of George Floyd, I can't be a pessimist. I'm still alive because I'm still living. Earlier today, I did a TikTok about 
where would we be now if it weren't for the protesters of long ago? If it weren't for the Toussaint Louvertours and the Nat Turners and um, the Ada B. Wells and the Dr. Angela Davises, the Asada Shakurs, the Huey Newtons, where would I be today if it wasn't for marches through Selma, through Mississippi? Where would I be today if it wasn't for the American Indian Movement? If it wasn't for protesters of queer rights, if it wasn't for Marsha P. Johnson, where would I be? If people didn't stand up after after the death of Trayvon Martin, after his murder, where would I be right now if not for the phrase Black Lives Matter? If it wasn't for protesters, people who unceasingly fight for what's right, even in the face of incredible odds, Dr. Angela Davis would be in prison right now, dying. Same as Asada Shakur. If it wasn't for the people who stood up for queer rights, I would be in jail for the makeup I wear. Women wouldn't be voting. Hell, nobody but white men would be voting. Hell, nobody but white, cishet, Christian, wealthy white men, able-bodied, would be voting right now. I mean, if we're going to be real about it. So many people um, lately have said, this shit is getting worse. And, you know, being a person who's read a lot of history, I giggle. Because I'm like, shit, motherfucker, you don't know what worse is, okay? Like, you just speaking out. You saying... I don't like the system could have had you hanging from a tree. So no, I don't think things are worse. Do I think that there has been progress? No. No. To quote Malcolm X, you stick a nine inch blade in my back and pull it out six inches. That isn't progress. In order for there to be progress, there has to be healing. So no, there's no progress. Have there been new laws? Have, have some states tried to implement new ways of policing? Yes. But that doesn't mean that there's progress. Does it mean we're heading in the right direction? Despite how we may be feeling right now? Absolutely. We are headed in the right direction. But I would be 
missed if I didn't talk about some things that are on my mind right now. One is Pamela Turner. Pamela Turner, May 13th, 2019. She was accosted by a police officer in Baytown, Texas, right? And this officer, Juan De La Cruz, who had claimed for quite some time now that there was a warrant for her arrest, and he gets into a scuffle with her, and somehow she gets a hold of his taser, and he pulls out his gun and he fires on her and kills her. Well, you know, shout out to the person who filmed the whole thing, but we come to find out that there was no warrant for Pamela Turner in Baytown, Texas. There was no warrant for Pamela Turner anywhere in the United States at that time. And we're just finding this all out recently in the last month. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, this is why I say there's no progress yet. We don't have progress. Everyone today has been talking about Adam Toledo. A 13-year-old boy shot by a Chicago police officer. And there are people out here who want to talk about the victim, right? They want to talk about this 13-year-old boy, like, what the hell was he doing with this grown-ass man who was toting a gun around firing shots? Adam Toledo ran from the police. Adam Toledo had the gun that the older gentleman had been using to fire off shots. Well, the Chicago police officer gave chase, and Adam, a frightened 13-year-old boy tosses the gun. And the cop runs up on him, pulls out a flashlight, sees him, says, drop it, drop it, drop it. Adam Toledo turns around with his hands near his face, his palms facing the officer in the glare of the officer's flashlight. And the officer shoots him. 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, dies. Now, I want to speak at this moment to someone who would consider themselves a conservative. Now, I know there is this non-existent gray area. Adam Toledo was out with a grown-ass man doing fuck shit. God knows what. The boy should have been home doing his homework, going to bed, whatever. He's running from the cops. He's committing crimes. The boy ain't got no damn sense. The fuck is he doing with the gun in the first place? I, I, I know. I know. I know. And as someone who participated in raising some children, I would want answers. I would, if, if one of my children were out there running in the streets, I'd want to know why the fuck my son is out here doing some dumb shit. But here's the thing. When Adam Toledo threw the gun, raised his hands and faced the police officer, 
all bets are off. Everything after that moment and before that moment doesn't matter at that time. A 13-year-old boy with his hands in the air stood face-to-face with an officer. And then his little 13-year-old body accepted a bullet. And what I can't do is rationalize or justify or minimize an armed police officer shooting a 13-year-old boy who is unarmed and is no threat. And then I think of Dante Wright, who all he tried to do was get away. He didn't want to go to jail. He was acting a fool. What, you know, look, I've heard it all. The boy had a warrant. Yes, he had a warrant. He, you know, for a misdemeanor, mind you, it was nothing, a slap on the wrist. But for some reason, in the United States, we seem to think that, and and I, I blame the prison system for this, right? The way we put a human being in a cage for making a mistake. And we put a human being in a cage for years, sometimes in solitary confinement, left to battle their own thoughts without therapy, without any kind of a recovery plan, without any kind of, you know, support. We just throw people away when they commit a crime. And what is a crime? A crime is acting in opposition of a written rule. That's all the law is, is a written rule. If there was a law that says you're not allowed to skip down the street and I start skipping down the street at that moment, in the eyes of many a conservative, I am simply a criminal. And criminals are animals and animals get thrown in cages. So, Dante Wright, when he had a warrant, regardless of why he had a warrant, For far too many Americans, the fact that Dante Wright had a warrant diminishes his existence to an animal, to something in need of being caged. I'm not even talking about race. I'm not even talking about class. Because we all know if this was a wealthy white boy, this would we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now, okay? We would it wouldn't even be a talk. But the fact that committing a crime nullifies the divine right you have to exist is problematic on face. That's it. Trevor Noah talked about good apples and bad apples in the police department today. And he he said, there are no good apples when the tree is rotten. And it, it seemed so elementary, right? And I'm wondering why it hadn't been said millions of times before. And maybe it has, and I just never heard it or read it anywhere. But it was prolific and elementary at the same time. The tree... At the very, just the last point of every root, the tree is just rancid. 
police officers were first implemented to catch slaves, to catch enslaved Africans. And then it just, over the years, just does the bidding for the government, it does the bidding for the state, and the state does the bidding of the wealthy, so the police do the bidding of the wealthy. So who is getting killed? The poor. The oppressed. The marginalized. And I know, again, I know a lot of conservatives will hear this and be like, oh, please, give me a break. All right. How about this? How about Tamir Rice wasn't even 13 in a park with a toy gun. The officers pulled up onto the curb. An officer jumped out the car and unloaded his gun into Tamir Rice. No crime had been committed by Tamir Rice. He was just a boy in a park playing with a toy. And I let me tell you, man, I I love the United States. I I have always loved this land. You know, when I was a little kid, I was seven years old and I wanted to be a police officer, man. Because I, in my heart of hearts, at the age of seven, I I had a conception of right and wrong. And I believed, because it just made perfect sense to my little seven-year-old brain, the cops were on the right side and the criminals were on the wrong side. So I wanted to be a cop because I wanted to always be about the right thing. And Lord knows I fell far from those expectations a long time ago. But I always wanted to protect the people I loved. I always wanted to make sure that the weak were were safe. You know, I've always wanted to make sure that the hungry were fed. I have always wanted to make sure that the houseless have a home. These are all things that I believe are divine rights. That this should never be a question of afford. You can't afford to eat. You can't afford a home. You can't afford to see a doctor. Like these things just don't compute in my head. They never, ever did. I can remember times that my mother took me to the hospital and I never saw money exchange hands. And I just always thought it was free. And I thought to myself, what if you can't afford to see a doctor? What do you do? Like, I remember thinking that as a little kid, you know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. I remember thinking, what do people do if they can't afford to see a doctor? And I never thought that was the case because, you know, my mother would take me to the doctor and, you know, we'd get the bill after seeing the doctor. My mom would put like 20 on the bill and then she'd, you know, get more in the mail, more bills, and she'd send money out to these motherfuckers and she'd curse at them while she was licking the envelope and sending the money back, but... I never didn't see a doctor. That's just ludicrous to me. 
And I bring that up because I... I don't understand how... I guess I do understand it. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that there's any coincidence that in a nation with a free market healthcare system, there is so many people dying by gun violence. I don't think there's any coincidence. We don't prioritize life here. We just don't. We don't. We praise soldiers coming back from wars. We, and, and I, 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 you know, the, the sad part of that is that I know in my heart of hearts, we're praising people who we want to believe have done something to the betterment of this nation. We, we want to believe that these people who have come back from war went to beat bad people, went to defeat evil things and came home and we're celebrating the goodness that has just triumphed over evil. But the truth is, the truth is, we praise people for killing people in other countries because that shit makes us money. And the more money that it makes, the more, you know, impulsive cons consumption can happen here. More, 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 more. Now I take all of what I just said and I put that in the lap of today. The lap of today was only in the United States can you watch the closing arguments of a trial of a former police officer that snuffed the life out of a man that he was supposed to simply arrest and arraign. That court case interrupted by the shooting of a 20-year-old young man who was just trying to flee a, a traffic stop. And then that was interrupted by the news flash of the body cam footage of 13-year-old Adam Toledo dying at the hands of a Chicago police officer. And you know, if this was happening in one town, like if I had to pick one place, we'd be talking about either Minnesota or Texas because fuck, dude. Like on some kind of a almost almost laughable level it's like the midwest just wants to be acknowledged for all the fuck shit that happens there and florida texas mississippi they all get too much of the credit so <laughs> so minnesota's like oh yeah well while the trial of Derek chauvin is happening where do you find out about the shooting of dante wright where we're expected to swallow the bullshit that is Kimberly Abbott, a veteran of two and a half decades and some change, confusing her left side for her right side, confusing the color bright yellow with black, and then confusing approximately seven ounces with over a pound. 
a 26-year veteran who pulls her gun on a 20-year-old unarmed black man just driving away. No threat. And she claims that she was going to pull her taser. And you know what baffles me about this whole thing? Is that I used to think the police were here to protect people. But, you know, in the apprehension attempt of Dante Wright, who was being protected? I'm confused. I I don't understand how this happens. Was it so important? Like, let's let's walk. I, I want to walk through this. 20-year-old Dante Wright driving his car. I've heard two different stories. One, tags are expired on his car, and that's why the cops decided to pull him over. Or two, he had stuff hanging from his mirror, and that was why the cops pulled him over. Okay, fine. Either one, you pick, you choose. We'll go with the expired tags, because that's, you know... It's a bigger faux pas than the whole air freshener hanging from the mirror thing, right? So two officers are sitting in the car. The tags are expired. All right. So whoop, whoop. They pull him over. You're an officer. Over 20 years on the force, man. You've Traffic violations, that's kids play. It's nothing. But you also know as a police officer... Every time you pull somebody over, there is a possibility that the person in the car has got some shit that they don't want the cops to know about, that they may have, they may be a a wanted fugitive, you know, shit could pop off. Okay, so, you know, you at the ready, you get to the window, 20-year-old Dante Wright rolls down the window. Hey, license and registration, blah, blah, blah. How you doing tonight? Where you coming from? Where you going? And Dante's cool. Uh, well, yeah, here. Uh, um, let me call my mom. Dante Wright calls his mother to say, hey, I've been pulled over. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Oscar Grant went out on New Year's Eve. And in some ruckus that happened on the train in Oakland, California... The train stopped at the Fruitville station. Cops were there, pulled people off the train, started putting people on the ground. Everybody lay down. You know, Oscar Grant is like, yo, I ain't even doing nothing. Cops like, look, I don't want to hear it. Put your hands behind your back. He's like, what are you arresting me for? I haven't done anything. And he's kind of fumbling around. He's giving the cop a hard time. The cop goes, look. And reaches pulls out his gun, puts the gun to the back of Oscar Grant and pulls the trigger. And Oscar Grant dies on the platform, Fruitville Station, Oakland, California. And later the officer says he meant to tase him. So Dante Wright calls his mother because, hey, I mean... You'd be stupid not to think anything could happen. So the cop is scared. Dante is scared. And all of this is over expired tags. Everyone is fearing death over expired tags on a car. 
Like, I, I don't, I'm not even talking about race right now. I'm not even talking about class right now. I'm not talking about anything. But the fact that how insane it is that driving a car with expired tags can cause a traumatic emotional response. And how pulling over a car with expired tags. I mean, it's barely a misdemeanor. Can cause an officer of the law with all the training, all the equipment, the Kevlar vest, the gun, the taser, the nightstick, the cuffs, the backup. I mean, and and you're also, this officer is also scared. All right, well, you know, they run his, his, his information. Well, you know, they know the tags are expired, so they're like, you know, can you get out of the car? So, you know, Don takes out of the car, sure. And then Kimberly Abbott says, well, you know, he's under arrest. He's, he's got a warrant. And the officer goes to handcuff him. Dante's like, fuck this. Now, I don't know... How old you are, my listener. But I'm 50 years old. And 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I was a damn fool. Okay? I did a lot of dumb shit. I got in relationships I had no business in. You know, I spent money I shouldn't have spent. I was flunking college classes that I should have passed. I was making all the mistakes of an all-American 20-year-old man. Dante is about to make one of those dumb-ass mistakes. So, with this climate, right? Now, this is happening just 10 miles from where George Floyd was murdered, by the way. Where Derek Chauvin snuffed out the life of George Floyd. And while the trial is going on, this is occurring in the evening. Do the officers say two and a half decades of experience? Does does Officer Kimberly Abbott say, you know what? Man, let this motherfucker go. Like, fuck this. Like, he's got expired tags. He's got a fucking misdemeanor warrant. Like, Man, we got better shit to do right now. I'm white. He's black. The climate is fucking volatile. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I mean, really. To bring this, basically, a fucking kid. I mean, 20s, a kid. For what? Like, to show the cadet how we fuck somebody's life up over some expired tags it's not worth it right now man he's obviously scared you know i don't want no real problems tonight let's just have an easy night man no okay he's got to go to jail cool officers got to do their job it's their job i don't like it you don't like it whatever they got to do it maybe kimberly abbott didn't even like it but she's gonna do her job because the cadet is there and she's got to train him so all right he's going to jail you go to get the cuffs on Dante goes, I'm out. Jumps in his car, goes to take off. 
cops are holding on to him. And let's just say, for sake of argument, that a two and a half decade experienced officer mistakenly, instead of grabbing for her left side for her seven ounce bright yellow taser, reaches over to her right side with her dominant hand and pulls out a one pound police issued gun that is jet black. She fires a shot into Dante Wright and Dante Wright tries to take off. Now, mind you, Dante Wright is in the car with his girlfriend. So whether it was a taser or a gun, you mean to tell me this boy goes to take off. Now, I say boy because I'm 50, right? That's 30 years ago. This, this is a child to me, you know. Hell, everybody under 30 feels like a child to me now. But he's got a misdemeanor warrant and some expired tags. He's scared. Let him take off. You know what? Let him go. It's not worth it. It's not worth fucking almost getting run over by the car. It's not worth all the trouble. We know where he lives. I already have all of his information. We'll pick him up tomorrow. Just let him go. It's not worth it. No. She prepares to run voltage through his body to make a misdemeanor warrant apprehension. Needless to say, Dante Wright is no longer with us. Now, this is a scenario in which I haven't mentioned race, I haven't mentioned class, I haven't mentioned anything, okay? But now let's 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 make it intersectional. Perhaps you're so poor that you can't afford to get new tags issued. But you got to get to and from work. You know, the car's got to get used. You got to travel. You got to go to grocery stores. You know, pick up your girlfriend. Do whatever. You got to live. You got to fucking live. So, you know, this infraction of the law, he breaks it. All right. Now, let's look at race. No more do I want to hear white people say, I don't even see color. Shut Oh, stop it. Just stop. Stop. You need to. You need to start seeing color. You know, I've I've never I, I don't I don't buy it because here's the thing. I have never met three cishet dudes that accidentally walked into a queer bar and said, you know, we don't notice sexuality, and they sat down and just started pounding beers and shots. They fucking know. They know. Don't tell me you don't see color because you know there's certain neighborhoods you won't drive through. Why won't you drive through them? Because you see color every fucking way you go. We notice it. We all do. So, <laughs> these conversations are happening and I'm so grateful for filming. You know, Will Smith said it. You know, it's not that it's happening more. It's that it's being filmed more. From body cam footage to phone cameras, everybody's starting to see everything that's happening. And this summer is looking like a powder keg. And I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't afraid.
but I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't excited. Because every time there is a youth quake, there is a disturbance in the force, every time that that pavement gets pounded, we are getting that much closer to doing the right things. So yes, my heart is heavy, but my hopes are high. Because the angrier you and I get, the more desperate we are for change, the harder we fight to see things get better. All the tears you have right now for Pamela Turner, for Adam Toledo, for Dante Wright, for George Floyd, for Anisha McBride, for Oscar Grant, for Philando Castile, for Anton the list is just <sighs> Tatiana Jefferson. There's so many, y'all. There's so many. But you know what? I only know their names because of how hard we fight. I only know these people's names because we have inhaled tear gas, because we have stood out in the rain. Because, 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 fuck your curfew. Because, yeah, we lit the cop car on fire. Fuck your target. Yes, all of this. It's about time that we just keep it moving. You and I have to love ourselves enough to value a righteous life during our existence. And in order for us to love ourselves, we have to love all human life. And nothing, nothing, we have to get to a point where nothing but love gets things done where respect for human life is more valuable than expired tags. We have to love human life enough that it is more important than some dispute over a misdemeanor warrant. We have to love life enough that it's more important for a boy to get home to his family. If you're an officer, please see color. Sometimes just let him go. I want progress. I would really love to see healing. The tree is rotten, y'all. And the land the tree is on ain't been a bit better good than <sighs> there's something worth saving here. And it isn't policing, but it's life. All lives are worth saving. We got to start seeing color. We got to start seeing class. We have to start acknowledging 
how far off the path we've gone. And I don't know if anything I've said makes any sense. I hope it helps. I just want to let everybody know they're not alone. Love yourselves. Let's love each other. Let's live.